What is going on, party people? Welcome to the Big Dudes in the Trenches podcast. What up? That does imply multiple dudes. So I'm Doug. Over here is Tug. Ben's hiding in the shadows somewhere. Uh, may or may not join us at some point. I would be very exciting if he did. We'll have to wait and see with bated breath. <laughs> it it was a wild week this week. I'm okay with it. I understand the recovery period. Uh, this was a fun week of football. Oh, it was an incredible week of football. We had at least one game that surpassed expectations in Oregon, Washington, uh, yep. which top 10 games usually don't live up to the hype, honestly. So the fact that we've had basically two this year now with Oklahoma and Texas, I would count as a top ten game, and yep. it, they're ranked that way now. So that's well, just, wasn't what a, wasn't Ohio what State amazing. Notre Dame a top ten game at the time too? It was yeah, it was six versus nine. Nice. nice. <laughs> nice. Speaking of Ohio State, uh, they had to play on the cock, and Ohio legislators are trying to introduce a bill requiring that if a game is going to be exclusively on a streaming service, that it has to be broadcast on local channels as well so that students at the university do not have to pay an extra fee to watch their classmates. I understand this is also to help the bars in the area. <laughs> or, or and hear me out, the college could offer that as a package. I don't want any college offering me any package. They can keep their packages to themselves. Oh, sure, but you want it on the cock, huh? (laughs) We saw what happened when universities were offering their package to people in Penn State. So I don't want that to happen again. Oh, no. (laughs) Especially not the Big Ten. (laughs) I think this is just particular, uh, and this is just a thing when you're talking about streaming. Because yeah. the, while the technology is there, it's still not there in a lot of ways too. So a lot of a lot of bars, businesses, everybody's kind of playing catch up to figure this out. I mean, I was telling my dad I watched the whole Thursday night game on my phone, and he's like, "Well, I don't know how to do that." So you do lose yeah. not only do you lose the older crowd, but it does put a strain on some businesses to try and figure out the the streaming side of things inside their business. Well, yeah, and if they they're an established business, unless they have they upgrade I, all of their equipment to smart TVs, they're just out of luck, right? So there are some I, businesses well, no, who no, just not even that because to carry the game. Wild. I I haven't seen that. Every sports bar I've been to has no issue pulling up Sunday Ticket right now, which is on YouTube TV. It's not Direct TV anymore. So I. I don't necessarily buy that. I think there's still plenty of availability to businesses, and I think they made it known how to do it. I think you have to look for it and be wanting to do it is the thing. Here's the thing, though, is uh, it's Ohio State fans, and they get very upset about things very quickly, and there are enough of them that it might cause change. So it's worth talking see, about. <laughs> I, 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 I also see this as different between the uh, – between the cock and YouTube TV, the cock has a net cable network channel available. Problem solved. Yeah, and NBC owns more than just NBC, right? If we got some a Big Ten football on the USA Network, that would slap so hard. We uh, already have saying, ACC they, football on the CW. They, they it do happen. it for the Olympics. <laughs> Well, and that's the other thing that you did not have to pay to watch this game. Like if it was a live stream game on Peacock, there's no, they weren't charging people to watch it. You could watch it with a, with a free account. You just had to log in to do it. Yeah, but it's gross. Cause that's how they get you. And... <laughs> anyway, <laughs> there were a whole bunch of other games that happened outside of streaming services this weekend. And we got to watch those in particular. Uh, so <laughs> Luckily, those are the games we talked about this week. Uh, <laughs> a bunch of ranked versus ranked matchups, a bunch of rivalry matchups, and then our own matchups that we pick every single week, as we like to do. We're still on the AP poll. The first playoff committee ranking comes out in like two weeks, I believe. Uh, so we Dang, it's still that far away. Yes, I feel like they push it back further and further. I feel so. like they push it back further and further every year. 
I propose that they start switching to the college football playoff poll whenever the AP starts doing men's basketball preseason polls because I don't trust the AP now. (laughs) If he already, and now they've got to do two polls and one of them's complete bullshit and the other one's like 50-50. But we do live in a world currently where FAU basketball is ranked ahead of Alabama football in their respective top 25s, and that is a world that I want to live in. So I'm okay with it for right now. <laughs> you know, you know what's funny to me though. You know what's funny to me is FAU is a bad call at the end of their first round game last year from being irrelevant. Yep. Still counts for something. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> Uh, in addition to those games that we picked to watch, if we pick good matchups, we get bonus points. If not, we could potentially lose points, which hasn't happened yet this season. It's bound to happen at some point. Maybe this very week, but we will get there. <laughs> if you know, you know. Uh, if we can't figure it out, it will go up on X. Follow us there at Big Dudes in the Trenches. Of course, if you're live with us, that is the best way to experience this podcast. We are on Twitch right now, Big Dudes in the Trenches, all one word. Or check out the video version up on YouTube after the fact, because the video is a little bit important here. Yeah, it's worth, yeah, it is. It, it's, it's worth attending, especially as we keep improving the graphics game, or at least trying to. All I know is I've been told not to look at the slides, so I don't quite know what's going to happen. <laughs> I'm kind of scared. It'll get good. It'll get good. We'll start off pretty tame, though. Starting us off with our record review, where we are so far. I do have the lead by way of bonus points, 105 to 102. Bug down there with 91. Not insurmountable by any means, but we are pulling away. Yet. <laughs> yeah, that's that changes this week. Don't worry. <laughs> No, no, we'll bowl see. season we'll still see. has to come. It's still surmountable. I, I might have I might have put myself too far behind. And there are like 40 bowl games. So if we go if you go 40 and 0 and we go 0 and 40, you will win. I, I don't think that's gonna happen. Probably not. I I'm think realistically the all games that you do. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get between 25 and 30 in bowl season, and that's that's where I'm gonna end up being. <laughs> But let's start off with our ranked versus ranked matchups, as we like to do. Starting us off, of course, with the first ranked versus ranked game of the weekend. Number six, North Dakota State at number 15, North Dakota. Battle for the nickel trophy. Oh, no, watch out, Bug. The fighting hawk is coming for you. (laughs) As we got hawked. (laughs) Oh, my God. that What is going on with North Dakota State this year? They are a quarterback away from being good again. They're they're rebuilding, which is sometimes. it's a weird thing to say about North Dakota State, but they legitimately are rebuilding this year. No, Definitely. that that's I just seen them do it in stride so many times. To see them come out and get beat by their rival like this is it's honestly astounding. Not only beat by the rival, but beat by North Dakota for the first time since 2003. It's been 20 years since the Fighting Hawks have beaten the Bison. And, uh, and they got beat by 25 points. Pretty awesome. Yeah. 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 This was a definitive nickel trophy rearranging here, which made me bring out the North Dakota hat. Let's go Fighting Hawks. It, it's basically the Notre Dame logo, but green. So what Notre Dame wishes it could be. That's that's, that's what Notre Dame tries Ooh. to be whenever they break out the Keller green and gold. I can't stand those uniforms. I love It makes it look good. Notre Dame, fucking gross. All right, Youngstown State at South Dakota. In a field goal game here, we all picked the Coyotes, and we do come away victorious. Youngstown State is one of those Confusing. teams that they're like, they're like pretty good but they're right on the edge of being mediocre. It is so weird to keep up with them. And they yet, are South Dakota looks like they might have one of the best defenses in all of the FCS. And then Youngstown State puts up 31 points on them. So this is this was a really close game, a great matchup, and the Coyotes just pulled it out. 
They are so up and down. It is it's insane watching this Youngstown State team. And if you're a fan of this team, it's got to be driving you nuts. It, yeah, I mean, the, but it's not even that Youngstown State played bad. They played well. They just got beat on the road like that. That happens. It really do be like that sometimes. It do be do be do. Found out. It do be do be do. Like Scooby, yeah. I hate you guys so much. <laughs> Next this up, coming we... from the guy with the dad joke later. He hates us. In Seattle, we got the border war, Oregon at Washington in one of the greatest Big Ten games I've ever seen. Oh, my uh, God. <laughs> you cannot claim them yet. Absolutely, he can. And uh, just for our, our viewers, yes, we know there's a mistake there. They went. It, they both went to this game undefeated, and the, the former Pac-12 rivals – just decimated each other on the field. You know, I left the records the way they were before the games for all these yeah. gotcha. intentionally because I think it's interesting to see where they were. Uh, North Coast State's now four and two. That's what that means, by the way. Wild. Uh, yeah, Oregon is five and one now. Washington's six and oh after a game that could have gone either way and felt like it should have maybe at the end even. But man, it was. Uh, what a game. Oh, my gosh. So, so the the question for me comes down to that fourth down. And I know that's what everyone's talking about, but it's something that we need to talk about. And I understand both sides of it. But that was just in hindsight. That is not the right call. I understand. Like, if he gets it, he's a genius. If right. he doesn't. Like that, that, that I mean, that's, one that's all you can say, right? If, if it works, yeah, then nobody's questioning it. It, well, and then he still had a chance. His kicker just had a college kicker moment, which it, it happens. You expect that's why they're called college kicker moments. My yeah. bigger question is: Are we still talking about Michael Penix Jr. today as the Heisman front runner if Washington loses this game? Where are we all on the Bo Nix train? We're all on the Bo Nix train because that's how the Heisman works. I've been on the Bo Nix train since <laughs> his, his freshman, freshman year. year. Yeah, you've been a you've been a Nix rider. Better than a Dick's Rider. Bojangles. Better than a Penix Rider. <laughs> Facts. All right, let's move on. <laughs> this was not a game. <coughs> it was no. the battle for the Jewel Shillelagh. Not a game, actually. So, uh, well, it yeah, wasn't 40, even a battle. It was a clinic for the Jewel Shillelagh. All right, Caleb Williams threw three interceptions. This was the second game of his career that he's thrown multiple interceptions. At the same time, I'm not a known Caleb Williams defender, so maybe this will mean something come from me. That wasn't on him, legitimately. Uh, there were some some bad plays on the defensive side of the ball for USC, which we've all expected at this point, and some tips that just Notre Dame was in the right position for. It was... Uh, a lot of pressure from the Fighting Irish, which was a little bit interesting to me because that's the exact recipe Louisville used against Notre Dame. And Notre Dame just flipped the script and used that on Caleb Williams. And it worked. If you get to the quarterback, make him uncomfortable, that can that can affect the game. So it's a little bit interesting to think, if he ends up on the Chicago Bears, is this how he's going to look in games? Because he's not going to get all that protection oh, all the my time. God. <laughs> Just got to call it. Uh, I've, I've not been on the – if the Bears have the first round pick or the number one pick, they need to draft a fucking quarterback. There's like seven other areas they need to fucking address first. Well, and you guys have the first two picks this year so far. And they probably will at the end of the year too. So I look at this in – this highlighted every issue I had with USC, and it it's not even off the pressure. Like, take the picks away, give uh, USC those three touchdowns, which is roughly what you'd expect them to be at. So we'll call it 42, 48, 42. That, that's about where I expect this game to be because Notre Dame can score. They have a good offense. USC can score. They have a good offense. But I expected throughout the entire game Notre Dame's defense to get one additional stop. It ended up being a couple bad turnovers that whether or not they're Caleb Williams' fault doesn't matter. They happened. I This is the defensive concern for USC, and it just confirms it for me. Yeah, I agree. 
basically. I mean, that's that's been the issue with Lincoln Riley and Oklahoma. Not I wouldn't all right. There is there is an element of concern for Lincoln Riley's decision making when it comes to this, but it is not Lincoln Riley's defense. He has handed that entirely over to Alex Grinch. It is Alex Grinch's defense. Who was his defensive coordinator in Oklahoma? Alex Grinch. Okay, so there is a pro- that's <laughs> that's where my thing is coming from. Is like Lincoln. You're right. Lincoln Riley has completely passed that off, but it's at the point where it's almost he's done it too much, and he yeah. doesn't care about the defense. That's the issue. That's that's what I, the feeling I get from it is he is not paying attention to that side of the ball at all. And it is not where it needs to be. And that's why I'm backtracking saying, yeah, there is an element of this that is on Lincoln Riley. He is the head coach still. Yeah. But as far as like scheme goes and stuff, Lincoln Riley's still a good coach. I don't know. No, he's a I feel fantastic. Weird defending him. I can't he's a fan. He's a I'm not taking anything away from Lincoln Riley. He's <laughs> a great coach. He just ignores he is a much better coordinator than he is a head coach, at least from what he's put on the field in terms of product to this point. Can I stop defending USC now, please? Yes. Let's move on to Miami at North Carolina. North Carolina gets their first 6-0 start. Known football school, North Carolina. Since who knows when. Mac Brown, the job he has done in North Carolina, is reminiscent of another great North Carolina coach back in the day before he left for Texas. Who was that guy? Uh, Mac Brown? Yeah. So it's, it's really cool. And, yeah, Miami just couldn't handle it. 41-31, Miami actually came back a bit at the end to make this game closer than it actually was. And, uh, yeah, North Carolina looks pretty darn good. Miami tried to make a game of it, but it's just not there. They're starting to step over their toes. They're making too many mental mistakes. Uh, This Hurricanes team is going to fall fast uh, through the rest of the year. That's unfortunately how it's been going for Miami the past couple of years. Yeah. Every time people start saying the use back, they play somebody with any sort of talent, and everybody realizes, oh, wait, maybe they're not. Which sounds a lot like Texas. I'm going to disagree. Can we start doing you down? People already do, I'm pretty sure. I don't think there's anything new. Well, I haven't done it yet, so there it is. <laughs> Can I just say that I'm happy we avoided the chippening for the second week or – we avoided it two weeks in a row. If it happened That's two weeks in a row, I might have to start calling it the, ch- the chocolate chip. Just getting dirty. <laughs> a double chocolate chipped. <laughs> Oregon State wins it for us, as we all predicted. 36-24, to 24, Oregon State over UCLA. And really, this game came a lot down to the running games, as we had kind of talked about in the previews. Damian Martinez versus Carson Steele was the main storyline out of this game even though dj looked pretty solid like respectable this was damian martinez's win for this offense yeah we you talked about it a couple weeks ago that corvallis is becoming a tough place to play and this really goes to show just how good the oregon state program has built itself up especially in the local community out there well, and then you take where they were literally two years ago at 1-11. and 11. You see what they're doing now. This is a, a massive turnaround for this program. The Beavers are legit, and I love it. Love it so much. Next up, oh, fuck. <laughs> we got mauled. We got grizzed. Montana beats Idaho at Idaho. 23-21 in the Little Brownstein game, which... Fantastic game on all accounts. Phenomenal game. Montana came out to a 10-0 lead, uh, which I didn't expect. And then it was 17-0 for Montana. And I'm like, holy fucking shit. What did we do? Idaho made a game of it. 23-21 the final here. I, My biggest takeaway from this, though is how great it is to have Idaho back in the FCS where they belong because this is absolutely their rival and not like uh, anyone in the Sun Belt or something. (laughs) If you had the student section of Idaho chanting, fuck Montana, 
that just it's not going to happen with like FIU or something, you know? It's gotta, it's got to be regional, and it's got to be. It's got to matter. Grizzlies. It's and, gotta uh, matter. We're getting mauled by the Grizzly up there. Brutal. <laughs> we all it's picked that up. Man, this Montana team is so hot and cold. Like I'm right. It it looks like they found their stride, and that's dangerous for the rest of the Big Sky. After we've been talking absolute dog shit about them for the past like three weeks, here they come. Oh, like we're back, in baby. In our defense, they played like dog shit. Oh yeah, I didn't say what we said was false. <laughs> they At just the turned it on here. It. Yeah. <laughs> Amazingly, it looked like Idaho couldn't handle the physicality of this Montana team for some reason, which well, is the exact, exact opposite of what had been happening for the last five weeks. Yeah, what? but if you if you put a Vandal and a Grizzly Bear in a fight, who's going to be more physical and who's going to win? Apparently, well, the Bear will be more bear. physical, but the Vandal will actually have guns in that scenario. Maybe. I would pick the Vandal. Maybe. They might only have spray We're talking hands. about we Idaho know. and Montana here. They all have guns. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, wait. So hold up. There's a good chance the grizzly bear has a gun. That's scary. <laughs> they, we have the right to bear game, arms, not arm bears. <laughs> Fuck. Cocaine bear? <laughs> Next up for our rivalry matchups. I had said what I wanted to see out of this George Vanderbilt game was for Vanderbilt to score a touchdown. They did more than that. They got 20 points on the board against Georgia, and they fucked up Brock Bowers. This, <laughs> So they fucked up Georgia's offense completely. If this is a legitimate rivalry, which some people think that it is, some don't care about it anymore, but if it is, what a way to fuck up your rival season. Uh, let's go Vanderbilt. Uh, dude, <laughs> I... I'm not going to say Georgia's going to lose within the next few weeks because I'm not here to make that claim. But they might be on red alert right now. Given the state of their defense, who just let Vanderbilt score 20, and given the state of their offense, who just locked Brock Bowers, there is some major reasons to be concerned out in Georgia right now. The state of their offense, who just got ruled out for 46 weeks. (laughs) Yeah, okay. (laughs) (laughs) If I were the SEC championship game. If I were Georgia, I would be very concerned about Tennessee. And honestly, Missouri looked pretty good this week, too. So you have a couple of teams out of the SEC East who have a shot now that they didn't feel like they would have had. Do they smell blood in the water and can they attack it? That's really what this comes down to. Well, I guess we'll find out going forward. But Georgia did win this one, and we all got the point for it. Uh, next up, the military classic of the South, VMI oh, at the Citadel. This in- was like Tug's wet dream here. Two senior military academies going at it, bumping uglies. VMI wins this one 17 to 13. I know you I know you were tuned into this one, Tug. Yeah. Dude, I almost forgot this game was on and I could watch it anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I picked the Citadel. And I liked your reasoning, Doug. Doug, I did like your reasoning. Just didn't was, pan out. It, it was very superstitious. VMI but, sitting uh, here at three and three on the season. What is this world? And the Citadel's zero seven. That sounds about right. Yeah, Moving that's on. <laughs> Iowa at I Wisconsin. I called this game. I called the this game. Trophy. Uh, All right. Here's my point. You only won because Iowa hurt Tanner Mordecai. That's my claim. I didn't say why I won. I, I feel I like they was, forgot to play jump around or something. Like I, this doesn't make any sense. I I made two predictions in this game. I said I was going to win and I was going to score less than, than twenty five points. And they scored fifteen and won. That is disgusting. Also, it is a very real possibility they go into the championship game eleven and one, as uh, the Iowa Hawkeyes here have a very favorable schedule going forward. One upset at the end of the season, we're looking at a playoff Iowa with this offense. That oh, is no, no, disgusting. No, no. and the exciting. The playoff committee wouldn't do it, would they? If they There's beat, no way. They if they to. beat an undefeated Michigan, Ohio State, or Penn State at the end of the year in the Big Ten Championship game, you have to let Iowa in. You have to. Oh, that's how Brian Ferentz keeps his job without scoring 25 points a game. <laughs> It's a new athletic Speaking record. Speaking of that. We'll see. 
That's a very short one this week because they only got 15 points. He's so far behind. He's never going to catch up. This is my favorite day of the week because of this. And I know I see it on Saturday, but I love watching it on air with you guys. Shout out to the Sickos Committee. Thank you. Thank you for this. We appreciate everything you do. Oh, man. We have some more We're going to play it again. It was too short. He's, he is he's minus, 29 points off track. Yeah, yeah. Off track. I thought you said off crack, and that, that was also accurate. No, they need him to be off crack here because uh, whatever he's know, smoking think, ain't working. That's, I think getting on it might help him at this point. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> UNLV at Nevada is up next. The Fremont Cannon. Uh, what? What Barry Odom is doing here at UNLV has been very impressive, as we said in the preview show. But beating Nevada 45-27 to solidifies that a little bit. I know Nevada's winless on the season still, but oh. it is a rivalry game on the road and a big win for the Rebels. I, I just realized the most disgusting thing that's a distinct possibility. UNLV, Air Force, Air Force Mac, for the Mountain West Championship? Championship game? No, the Pac-12 Championship game? You're right. Like... Ugh. I said I said Mac initially oh. Oh, for some fair reason. <laughs> Either way, it Which... it would be a good game, but just ugh. no, <laughs> no, no. Please no. Some, Next up, be UNLV. Please get this. Get this. Barry <laughs> Odom's got a. He's known for having tough defenses. So good luck with that. Uh, but the Air Force runs the triple option. So we'll see. Next up, the Tiger Bowl, Auburn at LSU. Unfortunately, they were in the dome, but they were in a pretty solid path to catch the eclipse. If they were not, uh, no, wait, this was this was outside. This Both was of these NFL. stadiums are outside. I'm really confused. I don't know where I got that from. Anyway, uh, <laughs> yeah, LSU won. <laughs> 48 to 18 wasn't even close. Fuck you, Tuck. All right, I'll take it. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> I, I just want to say, if LSU's defense were at least a little bit okay this year, Jaden Daniels would be in the thick of the Heisman conversation. I'm just legitimately confused what you were thinking with I don't know. Auburn here. It's late, dude. No, I, I just what? Why did Tug pit Auburn? Like it did not pan out. Whatever you were thinking here, I, I wasn't. Oh. So this this was not a mix of not trusting uh, the Brian Kelly and also seeing how Auburn can control the clock and how they can dominate that, which can change a game when you are vastly under talented. If you can run the ball effectively and control the clock, you actually put yourself in a position to win games just by limiting the other team. That's what I expected to happen. That is not at all what happened. And yeah, I'll take my yep. loss when I get it. Yep. That sounds like the exact opposite of what happened. So yeah. <laughs> Good try. <laughs> NC State at number 17, Duke. Uh, the first part of the tobacco road that we've seen all season to this point. Duke nails this one 24 to 3 over the Wolfpack. What were you saying? Setting up a yeah, Duke, uh, Duke just came out ready to match the physicality of NC State, and they didn't have an answer. Duke ha has a much more talented roster. I thought maybe, you know, especially with a little bit of a bang-up uh, for their quarterback, that maybe NC State would be able to get to him, rattle him a little bit. But props to Duke, standing tall and standing steady, getting the job done at home. Yeah, this and set, you were saying this does set up a great matchup with Florida man. State coming up. No, I was th I was actually thinking setting up a great matchup against North Carolina too. Um, both of those well, games are games to watch. And Louisville, I mean Duke has yeah. an incredible stretch. The coming up ACC here. is relevant and interesting this year for the first time in a couple of years. I'm enjoying this. Uh, it all might be great. one of the last years for the ACC. So <laughs> no, they just added three more teams on the other coast. Well, two on the other coast. I mean, in preparation of losing their good ones. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> anyway, 
We got some games that we picked out to watch this weekend, starting, of course, with our lovely bug up the top here. Welcome. Hello. I went with uh, Tulane at Memphis for my first game. Uh, one, because I wanted everybody to get another look at Memphis before they take on UAB next week in the Battle of the Bones for that beautiful bronze rack of ribs. Uh, and mostly because this was the end of Memphis's toughest stretch of their schedule. They had Missouri and St. Louis, Boise State at home, and then uh, Tulane at home. The winner of this game is you know, got a clear path to the top spot in the conference as far as conference championship goes. And Tulane got the job done. This game was back and forth for a while. Memphis scored 21 unanswered points to take a 21-10 to 10 lead. And then Tulane would score 21 unanswered points and take a 31-21 to 21 lead. This game was really close, really entertaining. Uh, Tulane went on that run, and then everything just kind of calmed down and just kind of played itself out from there. Things got a little chippy, a little dirty. Memphis player, of course, getting thrown out because it's Memphis. And, uh, you know, I just no, come no, to... No, no, you have to expound on that. He punched a dude he in the He punched nuts. a dude in the dick, yeah. I I have come to expect <laughs> this sort of behavior from Memphis players. <laughs> That's so just, you can't leave that out. It didn't surprise me at up all. And, and dick shot at the dude. Yeah. Hey, look, I'm saying <laughs> it didn't surprise me at all. But it was at that point where I kind of knew, all right, the wheels are falling off. Uh, a big thing for Memphis here... Positive and negative, right? The run game never really got going. Blake Watson's been such a huge part of this offense. But guys like Brandon Taylor, Sutton Smith were able to get involved in the run game and looked good. Uh, just Or Brandon Thomas, sorry, not Brandon Taylor. Uh, they looked good, especially after Thomas had had a great freshman season, aside from a few fumbles. Seeing him get another chance was awesome. But they never established anything on the ground, got super one-dimensional. That kind of led Memphis down a bad path, uh, especially late in the game. Tulane was able to take care of business here, but if I if I'm being honest, I think Memphis is the better team of these two. I would love to see a replay of this game in a conference championship. So what was tough for me here is like I was watching the first quarter and I was like, okay, Tulane has this. Then I was watching the second quarter into the third quarter and I went, I think Memphis has this. And then the fourth quarter was all Tulane again. These teams split the halves that they played. Like they each played, at least from what I was able to see consistently, half a game. Just Memphis had the middle two quarters. And it's just, it's so tough with that when your teams, both sides are going hot and cold like that. It's hard to, to stay on top of it. I do want to shout out Seth Hennigan had two interceptions on the game, but one of them was definitely not his fault. So don't blame Seth Hennigan entirely. At least. I, I, I wouldn't either. And I think there's plenty of blame to go around here too. Obviously I'm in more, uh, more Memphis groups than anything. I, I guess I would probably say as far as That's college football crazy. related. Weird. Crazy, right? It's almost like you went uh, to school there. Yeah. Crazy. Uh, every, everybody calling for Hennigan to get out of there, Silverfield to get out of there. If you want to put a little bit more blame on the coach, sure. But I, I don't see how you can blame Hennigan. There's a lot of people talking out of both sides of their mouth saying they don't want him to get take all these sacks, but they also don't want him throwing the ball. And it's like, okay, so what do you what do you want him to do? That's my favorite one. Hey, don't get rid of the ball, but don't take a sack. Well, hold up then. You took my two yeah. options away when my line breaks down. Don't, don't, don't get rid of the ball. Do? Don't hold on to the ball. Don't throw the ball too early. Don't throw it too late. Don't throw and it on time either. The, don't the one thing don't stay in the pocket. Yeah, the one, thing that, <laughs> the one thing that irritates the hell out of me, too, that a lot of people just overlook as far as uh, Ryan Silverfield, the guy is an offensive line coach, and on multiple plays, the left guard double-teamed uh, the man coming over the center, leaving a defensive tackle completely unblocked and just getting a free shot at Hennigan. So I don't understand. Like this, ha I saw this happen once real time and i think i saw it happen at least two or three other times in replays and i'm just like how the fuck is this happening multiple times throughout a game blows my mind i'm sorry i just went to a i, I went my mind went straight to the gutter i'm sorry <laughs> i don't want to explain let's move on <laughs> uh, my next game oh. my next game hampton versus monmouth <laughs> monmouth was hosting here and both of these teams, I said it, this one would be a turning point for them in their season, potential sure. to to start an upward trend. And, uh, you know, Monmouth 
Looks like they're Mama, on that path. Yeah, they, they took some good steps to that uh, 61 to 10 over the Pirates. Um, yeah, that's pretty significant improvement from where they started the year. Yeah, yeah you can say that. <laughs> they improved a frick three and three while Hampton falls a three and three. Uh, <laughs> Monmouth might be, uh, they might be on the trajectory we thought that they would be uh, at the beginning of the year. Just took them six weeks to get there, but you know they made it. Yeah, you know, hey, they finally showed up. Sometimes, sometimes that's all you need. If you get hot at the right time and you stretch out long enough, you can still make the playoffs because you're in the CAA and there are like eight teams in the CAA who make the playoffs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Last but not least, I had UAB at UTSA. Oh my god, I didn't get skunked on on my own slide for once. I I did. Rarity. I know, and I crazy. prevented the skunking on two different games here, so I get a crown. That's what I say. One. I picked Fucking UAB go. to avoid the skunk and instead skunked myself. <laughs> yes. yes you You're did. getting a good whiff, buddy. That's brutal. UA, UAB <laughs> is not a good team, apparently. Uh, UTSA, though, I I say it every time I bring them up. I put a lot of faith in Jeff Trailer, and this is where what is getting me here. Uh, UTSA takes this one 41 to 20. You know what I say? Meep. Damn. Meep. <laughs> oh god <coughs> that's all there is to it I mean, what else can you say there's no there's no way to follow that up it was too perfect yeah Gotta move on <laughs> to doug's games well i don't know did i have any good games out of this the only one that's even in contention is uh, Tulane and memphis i think that is a good game i would count that as a good game it was close for most of the game Tulane. Pulled it out. And, and I would, the game was much closer than 31 21, is what I'm saying. Yeah, I would say too. I didn't mention this in my in my earlier breakdown, but go go through a couple of their scoring drives for Tulane. They were on several third and long situations. Now, yes, the Memphis defense completely broke down and was very inefficient on third and long, but they were still putting themselves in favorable positions all night. Yeah. You got if they do it once, maybe it's a defensive fuck up. They do it multiple times consistently throughout the game, you've got to give some of that to Tulane as well. Yeah. yeah. I'm cool with giving you no bonus points either direction there. Let's hopefully go, P. Uh, hopefully I can get some similar leniency. Uh, all right, so starting off with Gardner-Webb at Austin P here. Uh, I chose the wrong horse in this race. Holy <laughs> fucking <go> shit. I've been on the Gardner-Webb hype train since last season, and I feel like I get let down most of the time when I hop on that bandwagon. Uh, I need to learn my lesson, and I'm not going to stop taking Gardner-Webb games going forward. That's what I've learned here. This game I'm, was just, hard. I'm just not going to stop taking Austin P. Yeah, this, this game was hard for me to pick because I do remember how bad Austin P looked against SIU. And I do know the mm -hmm. hype that you talk about with Gardner-Webb. So it was actually really hard for me. But when you put the past few weeks into perspective, Austin B has taken a lot of good strides moving forward. So this is just capitalizing on what they've been building. Yeah. Uh, just brutal for me. I don't know what, what to say there. 41-14 uh, Austin P. That's just Wow. Did not expect that at all. Next I'm not up, expecting this out of you, Doug. You usually get one score games. What the fuck? Chattanooga at Mercer. We all took Mercer, uh, which means we got Glenn Millard here. The Chattanooga, Chattanooga shoes just blew us away, man. Fucking brutal. All right, so I actually thought this was a pretty good game down the stretch here. Um, maybe that's a maybe that's a strong dose of copium on my part. I thought it was actually a pretty great game in the second half, at least. Uh, Chattanooga pulled this out by way of five field goals. Uh, <laughs> Jesus, there were six six field goals made in this game and two touchdowns. Uh, and I still thought it was very fun to watch, actually. And my favorite player out of this group was, I said last episode, is Ty James. The he kicker? was the only. No, the uh, wide receiver for Mercer, and he was the only one to score a touchdown for Mercer. So at least I got that right, and I can take solace in that. That's <laughs> oh, man. That's. But yeah, Chattanooga. Uh, 
All right. I mean, what else can you say there? That's just a... Well, we can say that Mercer... Go ahead. Mercer's who we thought they were. (laughs) They are who we thought they were at the beginning of the season. Mercer is the opposite who we thought they were because we all picked them to win this game, actually. So... (laughs) Fair. (laughs) I I thought this was a good defensive battle on both sides of the ball. What was not a good defensive battle on both sides of the ball was Marshall, Georgia State, because uh, Georgia State ran the ball all over them, uh, which is cool in one aspect because we'll get to my prospect preview later, and I picked Georgia State's running back. Uh, but Marshall couldn't stop him. So, yeah, Georgia State waltzed away with this one, 41-24. to 24. Um, You got skunked on your own slide. This is the second yeah. week in a row he's got skunked on his own slide. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm not I'm not okay with this. I'm not trying to do this. It's just damn. You, you picking two FCS games can be difficult because like as much as we talk about these teams and we know them, they really are so hot and cold at every level of the game for these guys. Except it's, for it, two FCS schools. Yes. South Dakota State and Montana State. State. Yeah. They're they're great. Everybody else is like, well, who the fuck knows? absolutely oh man i thought i knew about marshall though and i didn't so who knows who knows but we have to talk about am i getting am i getting a negative point or are you letting me have chattanooga mercer as like actually a decent game look i i'm willing to give it to you as a decent game because i love defensive football and ben don't break defenses and that is literally what, what Mercer had the entire game. Unfortunately, they still let them get into field goal range. At some point, you their, their offense, away, but... offense couldn't handle it, but the defense played pretty well. <laughs> so I'm, I'm okay giving you one good one here. I appreciate I'll it. I'll allow it. Thank you. Whew. I have taken up Doug's uh, chair as uh, the one point game or one score game man this week. Uh, First up, we had the University of Albany, who has not let us down all year, traveling up to New Hampshire, who has let us down numerous times this year, and we all went with Albany. Uh, we got granite in. <laughs> we got graneted by the granite state. By the granite state, the New Hampshire Wildcats pulling this one out 38-31. to 31. Honestly, a fantastic game at every turn. Uh, unfortunately, the dogs didn't have it in them this week. Great Danes fall. Uh, but still, I'd argue that's a pretty good game. The dog in me got euthanized. <laughs> Damn, you had to go there, huh? My sick. The these next two games, uh, when I was watching because I watched both of these at in full, uh, I was having heart attack both times. Uh, South Carolina jumped up early against Florida. The Gators do end up pulling this one out. At the end of the game, 41-39. Wild way to finish this game out. Like I said, Gators take it. What are you guys – what are your thoughts on this one, guys? Dude, I don't even know. This game was kind of gross in some ways and kind of the epitome of the SEC this year in some other ways. It just right. means less defense. It just means less defense. And Spencer Rattler, can you please find another job? Quarterback is not it. If we have multiple quarterbacks move to tight end this season, that'd be <laughs> I'd be amazed. Tim Tebow never even did it uh, until but, he got to the Jets. The Jets I was going to say, but Bug the co- the Cox let you down in that one for is it the did. first or second time this year? Uh, they'll let me down every time they show up on a slide. So <laughs> pretty much, I don't know what we're All talking right. about. All right, the next one was the battle for the pathway uh, to the Mountain West Championship game in the Mountain West. You got Wyoming at Air Force. In this game was everything I thought it was going to be. But it's not a rivalry. But it's not. That's funny, dude. You talk to everybody I know, and we all hate fucking Wyoming. Yeah, because you're all from the class of 2016. (laughs) (laughs) There. 
Okay, so here's the thing. There is yeah, your one 2017 friend as also there, thinks it's rivalry. <laughs> there is legitimately bad blood between these programs. It's not recognized yet, and that's okay. But these two programs, because of how these games have played out, where they're always one-score games, the home team always wins. These programs do have bad blood. It's building. Sure, we don't want to call it a recognized rivalry yet. That's fine, but there's definitely something there. Yeah, there are a couple of those games, like developing into rivalries, but they're this is one of them. I'll grant I, you that, but it's not there yet. I, I don't it know. Takes, I still I still enjoy the video of the uh, Wyoming coach cussing out Troy Calhoun after a game. That video surfaced this weekend too. Uh, but no, this. So he's your hero, is what you're saying. <laughs> I hate Wyoming. Slightly, yeah, yeah, you, you got the weirdest boner going on for that video. <laughs> so no, here here's the deal, and I've actually been saying this to my to my friends uh, this year too. Is Troy Calhoun is coaching with a different style this year? He is taking more of those shots. He is trying to move the ball with less time on the clock. He's not just kneeing it out with two minutes left in the half. He's trying to make things happen. I like it. I'm not going to lie. I will admit when I have a wrong read on a coach, maybe this is it, but he's at least evolving in a way that I appreciate now watching him coach. That being said, Air Force lost the quarterback at the beginning of the fourth quarter, uh, which gave me a heart attack because the next two drives were followed by fumbles. Uh, but then we pull it out on a 70-yard touchdown triple option run, which is the most Air Force thing you can do. Beautiful pitch and run. Uh, Air Force pulls it out 34 27. Uh, I would argue off the face guys. We all got that right. We hit the, we, we didn't get blue Falcon this week, but I would argue off the bat that these were three fantastic games. I agree. I agree. Yeah. We uh, give I, it I, to you. I also, I also want to point out is the air force's favorite thing to do pitching and catching <laughs> both sides of that. I said pitch and run. I didn't say pitch yeah. and catch. Well, well somebody was, had to catch it, otherwise it would have been on the turf. <laughs> That's what happened on the first one. And the second one, apparently. Yeah. No, so that one he just fumbled when, the snap. When when your when your other player accepted that he had to receive, you know, it, it worked out. <laughs> Let's get out guys. of here. Let's... All right, so the reveal. <laughs> Hold up on that. Hold up on that. We're doing this Formula One style. We got to announce the podium positions of the week. So, first up is Bug. <laughs> Went 10 and 12 on the week, 101 and 71 overall. Third place this week and overall. Tug here. His disappointment is immeasurable and his day is ruined in second place here because he went 13 and 9 this week, which means I still have the lead and I was first place this week. <laughs> the heavyweight foul. And I will take Ohio State's fight song. In the first place podium. Oh, God. All right. <laughs> I do get to say, guys, it's week six or week seven. I'm sorry. End of week seven. Congratulations. Uh, we have all surpassed 100, 100 points. So that's at the same time, the which is yeah. kind of impressive. It's applause yeah. all the way around. Ben, you tried real hard to miss it. Real I hard. Did. Almost did. But, Almost but you too. got it. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. I, I don't know that I can catch you all right now. I just now realized that that was my face on Boxer that was on the ground. <laughs> yeah, because I finally surpassed you officially. <laughs> and that's Muhammad Ali. We're both from Louisville, so it's it's perfect. All right. I'm a coming. But wait, there's more. There were a ton of great games this weekend. I don't know if we want to talk about every single game on this slide, because uh, every time we try to do that, it takes an extra half an hour onto the show. Uh, but including midweek games, there were some awesome, awesome action to go around. Which uh, is think, why you should watch this instead of just listen to it, because we're not going to talk about all of them. Uh, the the Sickos Committee game of the week, the Holgo Bolgo, West Virginia, Houston, ended up with uh, two 
basically two Hail Mary shots to the end zone to finish this off, and Houston won 41-39. Yep. Holy shit. Arkansas-Alabama ended up being way closer than it fucking deserved to be, which is why Alabama's not climbing in the rankings like they want mm-hmm. to. 24-21, field goal win. Man, if Arkansas had a fucking offensive line, Alabama would be in shambles right now. Right? right. The game uh, I know. Me was the Stanford-Colorado. Yeah. Down 29 points, Stanford comes back and win. That That's wild. It made Memphis's loss sting a little bit less, knowing that Colorado choked that one away so epically. Arizona over Washington State, forty-four to six, was insane. What is happening in Arizona? Are the Wildcats actually good now? I I don't know. You know who's not good? Michigan State uh, giving up twenty-one yeah. straight to the boys from the Piscataway YMCA. Uh, to lose 27-24. All 21 of those points came in the fourth quarter. Absolutely wild. And Colorado State got their first ever win over Boise State, 31-30 to in a wild matchup here. Oh, man. Boise State is not good this year. Copy in shambles. <laughs> and then in the FCS, a couple of overtime games here, including a double overtime Eastern Kentucky over Tarleton State in a game that I was about to pick, and then my coworker talked me out of it. I wish I would have, because then it would have been no fucking doubt about me getting at least one point this week for a good game, because this one was a banger. 41-35, double overtime. Eastern Kentucky is turning things around pretty quickly, and we do have to realize two of their losses were to FBS opponents. So Eastern Kentucky actually is sitting pretty well in position for a playoff spot to keep winning. Two games I want to highlight. Brown actually found their way to a win. I know Blind Squirrel finds a nut every once in a while, uh, but over Princeton's actually a good thing for Brown University. Uh, That's not one I probably would have predicted. Another one is another wild comeback down of Eastern Washington at Idaho State. Uh, Idaho State showing out for literally just the fourth quarter to make this game theirs. (laughs) 42-41 42-41 the final over there. I also want to shout out Tennessee State. 24-17 over Norfolk State in this one. And Tennessee State is looking like they might also be in position for a playoff push here. Uh, two Only two losses on the season, one of them to Notre Dame. So they're, they're in a good spot. And, I mean, gosh, Eddie George is putting together a decent season down there. Love to see it. I guess that means it's time for our prospect preview or prospect review in this case, since we just previewed them last episode. Prospect preview review. That's great. I I love it. All right. (laughs) Starting us off with Marcus Carroll here, the running back for Georgia State. As I already mentioned briefly up top, he did go off here uh, for a pretty great game. Improved his yards per carry average on the season. That's not a good look when I picked Marshall. Uh, also, <laughs> I added another touchdown on the ground and uh, is already eclipsed his previous career total for touchdowns uh, on just six games now. So he's he's having a great season. Um, I am impressed with his quickness. Um, I. I I'm hoping that the fumble issues from last season and the first week this year are gone. I don't know for sure. It's hard to tell that off of a game where he doesn't fumble. Like maybe We have to see that consistently over a long stretch of time before I'll believe that fully. But this is the kind of guy who, with this season, is going to draw interest from a Senior Bowl, an East West Shrine Bowl, something like that, get an opportunity to prove himself, get to the Combine, and if he does well there, he has a great opportunity to perform in the NFL, not just get drafted. This is a guy with limited wear on the tread. That's something the NFL teams really look for now. And honestly, he keeps this up. He'll be a pretty coveted prospect. Yeah, I mean, that's everything that I was talking about last week is that he he is uh, – I don't want to say – 
he's so lightly I mean, used at the running back position in college. So he, it's a good comparison, even though they're not the same play style. It's a good comparison to Roshan Johnson, right? right? <laughs> Which I think is what you said last episode. So yeah, yeah. that's exactly what I said. So. Cool. Uh, I could almost do the review for Lance Robinson after watching him play. (laughs) So Lance Robinson was all over the field. He got that first interception of the game. First offensive drive for Memphis right out the gates. He doesn't just jump the route. He makes a fantastic catch along the sideline. I'm not convinced this dude couldn't go and just play wide receiver if he wanted to. He literally had a shoot like toe tap catch on the sideline for that INT. Memphis tried to avoid going his direction, but because of that, other players on that two-lane defense started to shine. I can't think of the name of the guy that got the second interception. But the ensuing drive, he almost got a third one. Now, the second interception was a deflection off of uh, receiver's hands. But the third one, that boosted his confidence. He almost gets a third pick because he jumps her out. Lance Robinson was making an impact whether or not he was even on the same side of the ball. And that's exactly what you want out of a top corner or defensive back in general. You want to make teams have to look to the other side and elevate the entire defense. It is so crazy to me how quickly he has come on with that ability. Because last year and at Kansas State for three years, this never happened. And then just all of a sudden this season, boom, he is a shutdown corner. And mm-hmm. the last play of the game, literally the last play of the game, as time expires, is him knocking down a pass in the end zone. Yep, that's like, right. That yep. is exactly what you want to see out of a corner like this. He is playing his way into draft consideration. Again, as I talked about in the preview, this is a guy who literally no one in the world was talking about <laughs> until he has forced his way into the conversation here. Holy shit. This, yeah. he, might be, he might be legit. It, it was... You know, I was like, oh, this will be a good player to watch. And immediately I was like, holy shit, this dude's legit. <laughs> immediately. <laughs> there is there was no there was no breaking breaking in. It was just here it is. I mean, that is that's great to hear. Love that. <laughs> uh, honestly, I think that does it for our review of week seven, but Hold up a minute, because we have a couple of midweek rivalries to talk about here that obviously they're going to happen before we get to our week eight preview episode. We need to make picks right now. We're jumping right in to two different midweek rivalry matchups. Number one on Wednesday, New Mexico State at UTEP, the battle for I-10. Literally, New Mexico State is like 30 minutes north of UTEP. On yeah. I ten, it's it's like, very weird. It is is very weird out there. Yeah, this one will be nine p.m. Eastern time on ESPN two. Obviously, we know how Bugs going to go in this one because his man Jerry kills on the sidelines for New Mexico State. Yeah, baby, I'm going with that way too. But Tug, you disagree? What are you thinking? Man, I the, I have no good reasoning behind this. Uh, to me. Uh, UTEP has not looked good this year, but that opening opening loss for New Mexico State to UMass has maybe tainted their entire season for me. Maybe I'm misjudging them from an early season loss, which is a distinct possibility, but I don't know. I'm going to take UTEP here. I mean, UTEP kind of fucked us over the first couple weeks, too. So. I mean, it's fair, yeah. <laughs> well, see, see, now I'm, we're, I'm preventing the skunk then because both times we were either skunking with or That's something true. against UTEP, and they screwed us That's both true. times. So, so at least I took that possibility away. I took it out of their hands. In this kind of a matchup, I'm once again going with my favorite player strategy. My favorite player in this matchup is Diego Pavia, who is playing better over the last two weeks than he did to start the year, uh, looking a little bit more like his 2022 self. So hopefully he can keep that up, even against the all-time career sack leader in UTEP history, and prospect preview alone. Praise he has Mayhole. played for like twice the time anybody else could. We don't talk about that. It's fine. I'll throw this one out here too. I had more fun going to Las Cruces than I did going to El Paso when I was stationed in southern New Mexico. So, yeah, we'll go. Uh, yeah. We'll go with New Mexico State. You know, I, I got two reasons. <laughs> then next up, southeastern Louisiana at Northwestern State in a battle 
of winless teams. Who thought we would be saying that about yeah. southeastern Louisiana the state of southeastern Louisiana this year? Wild. Uh, if you'll remember from last episode, Northwestern State is dealing with the loss of one of their players. They had to cancel their homecoming game last week, and the conference and ESPN are working closely with the university to update their schedule as needed. The team and the coaching staff still want to play a full schedule. So this game got flexed. It was originally going to be Saturday, and it got moved to Thursday so they could start bumping some other games up as well and still get a full season done in the time constraint that they have. So that's why we're picking this game as well. And if you didn't know this, it happened literally like two hours before we went live. This game got flexed to Thursday. So Southeastern Louisiana at Northwestern State in state rivalry here, 8 p.m. Eastern on Thursday night on ESPN Plus. And Tug, you were dying to talk there. What are you what are you thinking on this matchup? Dude, I'm just thinking about this and and the amount of emotion coming out of Northwestern State. That's going to be what, especially a rivalry game. Uh, this being their their comeback game, man, that's you never want to be on that team. You never want to have that happen to any team at all. Period. Dot. That's going to be telling a lot about who they are uh, as a program and as as a team, depending on how they come out here. But I'm expecting them to come come in and play for for their lost member. Yeah, I think. Southeastern Louisiana is going to be able to jump all over that and take advantage of it, even even with the home crowd there uh, cheering on Northwestern State, because I do think Northwestern State is a worse team and worse coach. Also, I want to point out, both of these schools have the state of Louisiana in their logo, and yet both make the state of Louisiana look vastly different from each other. Well, not yep. vastly yep. different. No, no, the SLU... is pretty fucking different. The SLU one took a lot more time, dug in one of the corners to make it look more like an L. Like the SLU one I mean, shorter that, and wider. That, that cut-in is just blocked by the end of the Northwestern State logo. There, there's a lot There's a lot more finer details in the Northwestern State logo. Versus I mean, I agree with that. That's fair. The S- look, the all I know is the, this the is Delta looks between... different. Yeah. All I know is this is a game between directional Louisiana schools. That is correct. Good job noticing that. Uh, yep. The other thing you didn't point out is these are opposite directions. Though I, oh. I wanted somebody else to. I don't want to take all the credit. Literally exact opposite directions uh, <laughs> of, Nor- of Louisiana schools. Uh, I want to say I do believe Southeastern Louisiana is the better team. If we look at common opponents, which is kind of the only thing we have to go off of here, uh, yeah, Southeastern Louisiana has played everybody a lot closer. And honestly, at this point, should have won a few games. The amount of one-score games that they've lost is just bad RNG at some point, what it feels like. Uh, but I'm going with the emotion at home. This is kind of the replacement homecoming game and a rivalry. It feels like there's going to be so much emotion built up for Northwestern State. I'd be surprised if they didn't come out and at least – at least own the first half here. Maybe the they get out-talented in the second half, but it might be too much for the Lions to come back from. That's, that's my whole theory. There we'll certainly see. is potential for that. There's also potential for the Lions to just dog walk them. So. Yeah, that, that potential always exists. <laughs> oh, man. But that does it for Week 7 and pre-preview. Of week eight, wild shit. We got Conference US Tuesdays, Maction Wednesdays, and random ass Thursdays, and a couple of power school Fridays sprinkled in here and there. So we might have more of these. Actually, it has happened again. We have missed two different rivalry games this season because I messed up. Georgia Southern Appalachian State was on a weeknight, uh, a last week or the two weeks ago and i missed it because we needed to make a change to how we do the show schedule to make that pick happen on a monday night so that is that's two this year i'm sorry uh but we're also the only only place that she keeps track of rivalry games like this so take the good with the bad i guess (laughs) 
and we're we're seeking to improve as always so that's where we're at all right ladies and gentlemen i got us some links they'll be linked in the description below we have patreon.com slash pt football x.com slash pt football facebook.com slash pt football instagram.com slash bt underscore football bdtfootball.com mailbox at bdtfootball.com youtube.com slash at big dudes in the trenches twitch.tv slash at big dudes in the trenches discord will be linked guys i know you want me to no i'm not reading it it will be linked in the description below boo boo this man boo me me all you want i will play the villain that you have made me out to be boo boo so it was my son's uh yeah, Potato even says boo. Boo. That's right. Uh, it was my son's final final flag football game this past Saturday. One of his classmates is on his team, or was on his team, I should say. They had a great game. They won, which is very important for five-year-olds to understand that they won because, of course, they're competitive. They want to know that they won. It really doesn't matter. I don't care. Uh, but, you know, they're, they're friends. They're really good at math. What do you know what we call them? We call them the algae bros. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that's clearly all the time we have on the show today. Thank you for watching and or listening. And just remember, you can't win a game if you can't win the trenches.